I'm reading from Genesis 3, chapter 8, in John 1, verses 1 to 13. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from him the Lord God among the trees of the garden. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives the light to every man was coming into the world. He who was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. This is the word of the Lord. Here we are, the other side of Easter. April coming along, spring coming along, soon we'll be getting some greenery going. It's a wonderful time of the year, and it's a wonderful time spiritually in light of the resurrection, in light of the reality that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Christ breaks through the death barrier because of his entrance and his movement, we who know him follow him also through the death barrier into life. So it's a wonderful time of the year spiritually as we remember these truths, as we live in these truths. And I pray that this next series that we're beginning today on the theme of the God who comes will be a helpful reminder that God continually comes to us. God comes to us, Father, Son, Spirit, Post-Easter, God continues to come to us in Christ through the Spirit of God, the God who comes. I picked up this phrase from a book by Carlo Corretto, Italian writer. He wrote in Italian. Books were translated over time. And uh, he picked that phrase up from someone else, but the God who comes. And Corretto lived as a hermit, essentially, in the Sahara Desert for 10 years, and this idea comes from that time. And he writes that uh, one night, he was out, he's out in the desert by himself. You can imagine the night sky was, would be incredible. And in that incredible darkness, with the light so clear, he was actually able to see uh, the Andromeda galaxy. And what's so amazing about that is the Andromeda galaxy is beyond the Milky Way. All the other stars we see are in the Milky Way. This sky is beyond the Milky Way. But it is so bright, the Andromeda galaxy is twice the size of the Milky Way with a trillion stars. And the light you can actually see with the naked eye. So it's the farthest object away that we can see with the human eye penetrating the Milky Way, another galaxy, and we can still see it. 
The point he makes out of that is that that galaxy is 2.5 million light years away, 2.5 million. So the light that we receive now, today, if we saw it tonight, on a good night we could see it, not in the city of Toronto, but outside it, out beyond Toronto, it's possible to see it. That light comes from two and a half million years ago. And so he makes the comment, well, that God is the God who comes. He's always coming to us. And that the light that we see from the Andromeda galaxy tonight, if we were able to see it, started two and a half million years ago. It took that long to get here. So in God's creation, God's light has been coming towards us all those years, and of course, millions and billions of years before that. So God is a God who comes. He uses that as an example of how God is coming toward us. And so God is a God who comes to you, he comes to me all the time, in every moment, if we have the eyes to see and if we pay attention. If we just tune out and just go through and live on automatic, of course we won't notice God. But it's not because God is not there. God reveals himself, and one of the main ways he reveals himself is in creation, the parable of created things. Created things become a parable for us to recognize and see God. So the God who comes, that's where we're going over the next number of weeks, and we're going to start with some Old Testament texts that speak to it, and then some New Testament. And so here, I'm calling it the parable of created things, based on Genesis 3, 8, and then also from the New Testament um, prologue of John, John chapter 1, a few verses from there. God is a God who comes in the creation story, in the story of Christ, in the story of the church through the Holy Spirit. God keeps coming to us. So Coretto writes, God is always coming, and we, like Adam, hear his footsteps. If we pay attention. God is always coming, and we, like Adam, hear his footsteps. So Genesis 3, 8, the second half of verse 8 says, They heard the sound, this is referring to Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. It's a beautiful verse. And it suggests the reality that God would walk with them in, in whatever way that meant. They, they understood that God was present with them and was walking with them in the evening breeze. Whether they saw something or not, they knew God's presence in the garden at the time of the evening breeze that they were with God. God present with us. God present with them in the Garden of Eden. They knew God's presence in a wonderful way. That's how where we begin. So God is always coming towards us. And God comes towards us, number one, in life. So God comes to us in creation. God is the creator. We are the creation. So we hear these verses. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. 
So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God is our creator. He creates us. And we are invited into a relationship with the creator so that we will know him. And so what the writer of Genesis is saying really is that wherever there is life, there is God's presence. And if we are attuned, we will recognize God's presence in life, in living matter. Hearing the steps of God, walking in the garden, paying attention to the works of God. Recently, I've been spending some time down in Prince Edward County. And on the south end, there is an amazing area of the sand dunes. And it's actually the largest bay mouth, it's called sand dunes, in the entire world. So water that has in a bay, and the sand has gathered there through the ice age and the retreating of the glaciers and the Great Lakes and all the water that, all the sand that is left, it has created these dunes that are, I mean, are amazing. So the dunes and the plants and the water, it all speaks of God, if we have eyes to see. This is a little jewel of God's creation. Of course, there are many all around the world, obviously, but this is one. If we pay attention, we recognize God's presence in life in the creation of God's life. I've mentioned before that my students, when I ask them what was their first experience of God in, in some sort of worship experience, they all often refer to creation. And they'll say, I remember some time when I was at camp, or I remember some times when I was on some mission trip, or something to do with creation, and they really felt God's presence. So it's recognizing God in life recognizing his presence in our world. And especially, Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and woman and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. <coughs> that we have a job to do to care for God's world. And as we do that in a deeper way, we start recognizing his presence. God's presence as we care for it, as we not raise it, but care and nurture our planet as our home planet. And we were all invited to do that in whatever way. Their job was to till and keep the earth. And our job is to do the same. And when we treat it with respect and live with it, part of it all, we recognize God. At least we have the opportunity to recognize him. Enjoy him. His presence is bursting forth. One of the reasons I love scuba diving is because you're in a new biodiversity, totally strange, but it's, it's seeing all these crazy creatures and the coral and the fish and all the synergy that goes on in relationships between them all, it, it, it speaks of the creator. God is creator. It's one of the reasons why you all like your pets if you have your pets, if you have a dog or if you have a cat or maybe a bird is that you recognize them as living creatures. And in these living creatures, they have their own personalities in their own way, and they express life. And it's in that life that we get a picture of who God is, the God who comes. Now, that can be a bit hard for us if we're living here in Weston and we got a whole series of apartment buildings and we're in one of them and we have a lot of cement around us and we may feel like, well, I don't see it too much. 
you know? I don't see much of a night sky at night. And so in some ways, it's, it's harder for us, city dwellers. But nevertheless, if we seek our areas, seek our ways, appreciate life in other people, whatever living reality you are with, with friends, recognizing God's presence within their lives. The God who comes to us, and the God who comes to us in creation, the God who comes in life, number one. Secondly, we note that God is always coming because he is light. God comes to us in light or meaning here truth. God is a, come, God is a God who comes to us in light. We saw life, now we see light, and we hear this in the words of Genesis in terms of light. Genesis 1, 14, 15, and God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. I mentioned the Andromeda galaxy and the light, the faint light that comes from that. Of course, we have the bold light of the sun, the bold light of a full moon. South America, the, the Incan empire, we're just amazed with the sun, and you can imagine why. They're high in the Andean mountains, and the sun is big, and it penetrates very strong at altitude. So strong, they, they, they believe the sun was a god. But the sun and the moons communicate truth, comes to us in light. And that's interesting because Jesus, when he comes, the light, if you like, is localized. The light of God, the light of creation, zeroes all the way down to a spot, and in that spot is the light of Christ. So John writes in John 1, 4, 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Light comes to us in the person of Jesus. We know in John 8, 12, at the uh, Sukkot festival in Jerusalem, at one point Jesus says, he stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. One of the I am sayings of John, I am the light of the world. It's not a pretty incredible statement, right? If anybody else made that statement, I am the light of the world, we think, well, what kind of narcissistic, crazy person do we have here? But when Jesus says it, it it's true. And Jesus is the light. And the incarnation is the great light of God's presence. So if we've seen God in life generally, it takes on a whole new level as we see the light of God, the revelation of God in Jesus. He is the light of the world. So we are invited also to pay attention to Jesus, to the Gospels, to his teaching, and to be alive to his presence through his Holy Spirit, to hear the footsteps of God. Coretto said. So what is our practice in this post-Easter day of being mindful of Jesus? Remember we said that the kingdom of God is within. So if, if we need to go in, we need to recognize the Spirit's movement within ourselves. John 17, Jesus says to the Father, it's a prayer, he says, I in them, my disciples, and you in me. It's a lovely phrase. I in them and you in me. 
I'm in my disciples, and you, the Father, are in me. It's recognizing God and Christ within us, the Holy Spirit within us, to pay attention to Jesus within us. Because Jesus is making that statement. I in them and you in me. I in them. I in us. Not just around us, but in us. So Jesus is light. Jesus is truth. But unfortunately, we often prefer the darkness. Isn't that strange? We have the option of being with light. And many times we prefer to huddle away in our own corner, in our own bedroom, maybe under the blankets, preferring the darkness. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. And we, we often are just the same. We do not accept him. We want to be our own gods. We want to be our own saviors. We want to do it our own way. We want to control things. And we go our own way. And we suffer because of that. Someone has made the point that there is a difference between pleasure and happiness. That our addictions can indeed give us some level of pleasure, for sure. Take drugs and you get a high, you're going to have some pleasure, for sure. But the problem is, is it very quickly turns into something destructive, into an addiction, which does not make us happy. So we can prefer to go our own way, and we may get some pleasure out of that, short-lived, but it will not make us happy or be a beatitude in our life. We will not be blessed because of that addiction. And so we are invited to know God in life. We are invited to know him in Christ, in truth. To hear the truth, receive the truth, welcome the truth in a way that energizes us. Coretto writes, every step a person takes to free him or herself from lies, baseness, violence, egoism, and pride is a step towards the vision of God. Every effort to live the truth, to do good, to respect life is an early preparation for the coming of the light. God's light, God's truth, that's his invitation to us. So God comes in life, in life, God comes to us in light, and thirdly and mostly, God comes to us in love, because he is love. John, 1 John 4, God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. If this is love, or in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. God sent his son into our world to localize love, that we could put our arms around Jesus. You can't put your arms around Abba, but you can put your arms around Jesus. God is love. So the whole story of the incarnation of creation is ultimately a story of love. God loves us. It's why God is not just one, if you like. He is three persons. God is not alone. God is in relationship, Father, Son, Spirit. Through all eternity, this amazing movement, Father, Son, 
spirit, not aloneness, but together in relationship. And he creates the world and ultimately humankind because he wants to express his dynamic of love. Love wants to go outside. Love wants to go beyond. And God is like that. God wants to go beyond himself to create a people who will be a people in love who love him and who love each other. That's the whole magic of creation in the incarnation. God is love, John writes. So wherever we see love, we can find God. I mentioned, I think, on the Easter talk that God is, the commandment to love God is in both Old Testament and New Testament, Deuteronomy. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Note the emphasis on all, every part of yourself, not just your rationality, not just your reason, but to love God with everything in you, your imagination, your feelings. Give it all to God. You shall love the God, the Lord your God, with all your heart. And then when Jesus is asked a question, he says the same thing. You can see it in Luke 10, 25 to 28. The lawyer says, What's the greatest command? And Jesus re responds with the same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. The command is the same, Old Testament or New Testament. And then Jesus underlines it in the upper room discourse when he says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Also, you should love one another. Love. God is Trinity because he is love, so he's entering into this world in us. So wherever we see love, wherever we see it, even if it, you know, it's stretching your mind in certain ways and you wonder if that's okay, if it is love, it is from God, period, because God is love. Wherever there is love, doesn't matter if they're in different traditions, faith traditions, or different kinds of relationships. It doesn't matter. If God is love and there is love, then there is love. And that means God is there. So God is God in love, light, life. We've seen it all. God is a God who comes to us. So the point of it all is to wake up in the morning as we close and to recognize that God is coming. God is coming to me today, for sure. All I have to do is open my eyes and be sensitive and pay attention. Good thing you might do is tend a garden. Natalie and Clifford used to live in an apartment building on their, on their patio outside, they had a garden. That's a good thing, tend a garden. Read a holy book, read the Bible, read some spiritual reading. Pay attention, particularly play, pay attention with children. Spend some time with them, learn from them. God is present. Open your heart to life, to light, to love. That's the invitation, God is coming. You are not alone. In this pandemic time, you are not alone. God is there with you, with me, the Trinity within us. Jesus says, I in them and you in me. He is in us. So God is a God who always comes. We can hear his footsteps. I 
pray in these weeks that follow, we will be mindful of his presence. Go back, read the beginning of Genesis. Get a sense of it. God is a God who comes towards. The whole creation story is there because God is a God who comes and who wants to come. Jesus is here because he wants to be with us. He wants it. Why else would he come? He wants it. He wants to be in you. He wants to be in me that we might know this relationship of love. I offer you these words today. This post-season, post-Easter season, sorry. In Jesus' name.